this is Craig. Thank you for tuning in. We are on a journey with God each time we get together. And what he's trying to tell us is how to live the Christian life each day. With all the distractions out there, how do we walk with him and have Jesus on a daily basis? Not just Sundays, but on a daily basis. And today's message, again, we are going to hear what he has to share with us. And the first thing he wants to go with is that, you know, sometimes we just need encouragement, right? We love to have be encouraged. We are put down so many times on all other issues of a society, always telling us what we're doing wrong, always trying to tell us we are not who we think we are. But we just need encouragement once in a while from our spouse, from our family, from maybe a co-worker. We all like to be encouraged. But we really need the encouragement when we feel like we are just not good enough in whatever we are doing. Coaching, teaching, at the job site, uh, with, with family. When we just aren't feeling that we're good enough, we just need the encouragement. And I'm sure you are like I am in many times that you have those kind of feelings. Do do you ever have those kind of feelings? I'm sure you do because we all go through it. Feelings of being unworthy or feelings of being a failure, crying out loud. But, you know, you just can't do anything right or whatever project you're on. You just can't get it right. You're just not good enough for anyone. Don't despair, because today we're going to look at a couple of men who were tremendous servants of God, even when they didn't feel good enough. And that leads us to the title of our message, Are You Good Enough? First, I want to look at Moses, who I'm sure you've heard about many times with everything that he's done with God, all of his adventures, everything that he went through. But if you remember, he gave excuse after excuse as to why he couldn't go back to Egypt when God called him to go. Moses tried to give a number of reasons for not going back. And what he's trying to say is that he just does not feel good enough to do what God had called him to do. He begins with this, I am not fit. Exodus 3.11 says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That didn't work because in Exodus 3.12, God said, I will be with you. Whoa, hard to argue with that, I think. But after this, then he he, he went on stuttering to God this time. He, he said, what will I say? And God answered him, continuing on in Exodus 3. In 14 and 15, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. See, what God promised to the patriarchs hundreds of years prior, he would now fulfill through Moses. And you know, our God 
is a God who acts and he speaks. He told Moses to tell the Israelites what he had seen and how, what he had heard at the burning bush. And if you want to explain who God is, share with them what he has done for you. People want to, and they, they love to hear specific examples of God in action. They like to hear that. And we need to share that with them. When this excuse, though, didn't work for Moses, he told God that he did not have any authority to speak on behalf of the Almighty. Well, let's go over to Exodus 4, verse 1. Moses said, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And they say to me, the Lord did not appear to you. Well, in the following scriptures after that, God shows Moses his power in case the Israelites question him order to convince them that he is true and had appeared to Moses. And we too find ourselves over analyzing situations too often and, and we let our minds run amok with vain imaginations of what might take place, causing us to be distraught and even fearful. But I want to remind you today that God does not ask us to go where he has not provided the means to help. God takes great joy in using ordinary things in your life to complete the extraordinary purposes that he's called you on. Now, what might you consider ordinary things in your life? Mm, your voice, a pen, how about a hammer, a broom, how about a musical instrument? It's easy for us to assume that God will only use special skills for him, but you must not hinder him using everyday stuff to complete the mission at hand. Now Moses then tells God that he doesn't know how to speak to others. Oh, in Exodus 4.10, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent neither in past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Let's continue reading verses 11 and 12. The Lord said, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Well, it appears that Moses is just out of excuses here from what God has instructed him to do, doesn't it? So what does he do? He plays that all-purpose card. He tells God, I just don't want to go. Send someone else. Well, verse 14. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Uh-oh, not a place you want to be. God had had enough of his excuses, and he told Moses that he was sending his brother Aaron to assist him. God told Moses that Aaron would speak to the people for him, and it would be as if he were his mouth. God would tell Moses what to say, and he in turn would tell Aaron, and Aaron would speak to the Israelites on his behalf. Obviously, though, here, reading through this, Moses, he lacked the self-confidence, and he tried to throw out excuse after excuse, telling God he was not the person for this job. God, go find someone else. But God is patient with all of us, and he will have answers to help you and me overcome fears of his callings. Now, I know what you might be thinking right now. Am I good enough? Hmm. We all know how the story of Moses turns out, though. Have you ever found yourself in a similar situation when preparing to share with others about God? 
what will I say? I have no gift of speech, and I, I just don't want to go. Remember, God said, I will be with you. And I'm here to give you some good news today. The good news is God's grace is always enough. That's a fact of life. That God, God sometimes allows difficulties to come our way. God's grace is enough to handle our difficulties. God's grace gives us strength when we are weak. 2 Corinthians 12.9, it says, But he, Jesus, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, the, the intention of this verse is that God's grace is always enough, no matter what the circumstances may be. But it is an inevitable, an, an inevitable fact that God sometimes allows difficulties to come our way. Yeah. You know that. You've experienced it. I've experienced it. We've all experienced it and wondered, well, why? Well, in this letter in 2 Corinthians, Paul's dealing with false prophets who are trying to discredit his ministry by saying that they are more spiritual than Paul because they have had superior revelations from God. However, Paul points out in the beginning in this chapter that he has had revelations from God that are indescribable. They were so wonderful that he was unable to even describe them. He, he, he ran out of words. They were so wonderful. See, extraordinary religion experiences that we might be part of often come at a personal cost, though, too. For example, when Jacob wrestled with God, he hobbled away lame. That's in Genesis 32, 25. He says, at least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. Hmm. Scholars and theologians have spent much time over the years trying to come up with what Paul was saying about this thorn in his flesh. Some say it was a physical ailment of some kind. Others, they say it was a spiritual struggle. And still others say it was persecution. What do you think it was? You've read that before, I'm sure. What do you think? Don't ask me, because I don't know. The Bible doesn't really tell us. Not in Greek, nor in the English versions. However, that's not the real issue, though. The real issue is where did it come from? The phrase, was given to me. Was given to me. That tells us where it came from. The phrase is what scholars refer to as divine passive. It was given to me. What that means is that God allowed it to happen, just as he did with Job. God allowed it to happen to keep Paul from becoming proud. And the rest of that verse 7 says, A messenger of Satan to buffet me, at least I be exalted above measure. And the word buffet, it means to strike or beat with a fist, either once or repeatedly. And the context suggests that he did strike him repeatedly with this element. And what do we find is that Paul's thorn was not an isolated episode. It repeatedly came back to plague him, it says. Um, kind of like a school bully who waits each day for his victim to round the corner and he beats him up again. See, apparently God did this for Paul's own good, just like he allows these things to happen to us sometimes. Believe it or not, it's for our own good too. 
And God knew that pride would destroy Paul. It's the same pride that might destroy Paul that will destroy us. And he knew that pride would put an end to what he was doing through Paul, just as it would put an end to our lives of witnessing him to others. Pride. Pride. Did you know God's grace is always enough to handle all of our difficulties? Yeah, sometimes God answers our prayers in one or three ways. Yes? No? Be patient. Yeah, we must realize, though, that if the answer is no, it doesn't mean that God has not answered our prayers, but that he has another way in mind at that time. In verse 9 back here, the Lord tells Paul the reason he will not take the thorn away. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's what he's reminding Paul in that verse. See, this grace that Paul is told is sufficient for him, and it will be sufficient for us too. The verb sufficient means to suffice for, to satisfy, with the idea of being enough. Grace means that God is on our side, which means that we are victors, regardless of how well we have played that game. Now, Paul didn't need Christ to take the thorn away because his grace is always enough. No matter what difficulties you may be facing right now, God's grace will always be enough for you. If you need financial help, his grace is enough. If you need healing, his grace is enough. If you need help in a relationship, his grace is enough. And if you have an unsaved woman who's running from God, his grace is enough. It doesn't matter what Satan or the world throws at you because God's grace will always always be enough no matter what his grace is always enough now look at paul looks at his difficulties as a result of god's grace he says in verse 10 that's why for christ's sake i delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties for when i am weak then i am strong and we often think that Without human strength, we're destined to fail. And without personal courage, we are bound to falter. And, and we can make our best plans. And we try to carry them out in our own strength. Or we can make careful plans and ask God to bless them. Yet another way of working is to begin with God, to ask his plans and to offer ourselves to him to carry out his purposes. That's the way we should be going. God's grace gives us strength for the battles, for difficulties we face, strength to endure all, and strength to trust him. And if we accept and admit that God's grace is enough, then the strength that comes from his grace is also enough for all of us. See, there is a spiritual hunger in our land today. Yeah, we've read about it, and anybody who is anybody, you know that there is. There is a bread for the hungry, though. It's out there, and it's there every day. His name is Jesus. He is more than enough. When you are pressured in life, he is enough. When you are pleading with God, he is enough. And when you are in poverty, he is enough. When you are hurting, he is enough. When you think you cannot stand any longer, he is enough. And when you don't know what to do, he is enough. And when you don't know which way to turn, he is still enough. 
The Bible says in Proverbs, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where is your heart today? Jesus desires that we completely are devoted to him. He teaches us that our works aren't good enough, our riches aren't good enough, and we are not good enough. All right, then what is good enough? See, most of us have tried so many ways to get to God, so many ways to have eternal life and get into heaven. But Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As the way, Jesus is the only path to the Father. He provides a clear direction to God. As the truth, he is the reality of all God's promises today, tomorrow, and forevermore. And as the life, he joins his life with ours both now and for eternity. It's not about works. It's not about riches. It's about ownership. It's about you and I turning everything to Jesus, allowing him to be our Savior, accepting the payment paid by Christ, who died on the cross to pay for our sins, to be our leader, the one who we will follow, apply his teachings to our lives, and truly live them out. And our friend, God created each of us to have fellowship with him. He wants more than just to be our God, our Savior, or leader. He wants to be our friend. As I get ready to close, I, I, I want to just share a, a, a quick story here with you. There was an official search committee of a particular congregation that was undergoing the painful search for a new pastor. And a member of this search committee finally lost his patience during one of their many, many meetings. He had watched this committee question and reject applicant after applicant for some fault or another, alleged or otherwise. And this man on this committee figured it was time for a bit of soul searching on the part of the committee. So he stood up and he read a letter purporting to be from another applicant. Gentlemen, he says, listen, I understand. I want you to read this letter. And he says, he's reading the letter. I understand your pulpit is vacant. I'd like to apply for the position. Now, I have many qualifications. I've been a preacher with much success and have had some success as a writer too. Some say I'm a very good organizer and I've been a leader in most places wherever I've been. I am over 50 years of age today, and I have never preached in one place for more than three years. In some places, I've left town after my work caused riots and disturbances there. And I must admit, I've been in jail a number of three or four times, but not because of any real wrongdoing. My health is not the best right now, though I still get a great deal done. And the churches I've preached in have been mostly smaller in size, although located in several larger cities. I have not gotten along well with the religious leaders in towns where I've preached. In fact, some have threatened me and even attacked me physically. I'm not too good at keeping records, and I've been known to forget whom I have specifically baptized over the years. However, if you can use me, I shall do my very best for you. Well, the committee members hmm, thought about this, and they looked at one another and this man who read the letter he's watching them and their actions and 
their facial expressions, and he finally says, uh, well, uh, what do you think, guys? Shall, shall we give him a call? I mean, geez, he has preached a lot, you know, and but the good brethren of this committee, they were aghast. Call an unhealthy, troublemaking, absent-minded ex-jailbird? Are you crazy, they asked. Who signed that application anyway? Who has such the nerve to submit a resume like this? Well, the committee member who read this letter, he looked them over very closely, had all their eyes were on him, and he had their attention, and he says, uh, it's signed here, uh, the Apostle Paul. Paul also thought he wasn't good enough. He considered himself the greatest sinner of all. In Galatians 1, 13, Paul says, For you have heard of my formal conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Yeah, yet he, he was chosen by God. God picked him. And he was the man who fought the good fight for Christ until his final death. So what about you today? As we think about the many ways we can be lost, there is only one way that we can be found, and that is by accepting Jesus into our life and following him, making a commitment. Yeah, this message, it's for the listener who's never become a Christian before. It's a message for people who have never really understood what it means to have Christ as their savior and leader and, and friend. And with all that, you can have eternal life, but they maybe... Or maybe you're not there yet. But this message is also for the long-time experienced Christian, the one who's been a Christian for many years. This message is to remind you that it's not about how many curse words you don't use. It's not about how much church you attend. It's also not about how much you give to your church, nor how much you give to other ministry. This message is a reminder to you that we don't place our trust in any other things. We need to simply trust in Jesus. We need to rest in him, hope in him, and faithfully serve him. You cannot do enough, nor can you ever be good enough. But, in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You see, we are not good enough, but God is more than enough. Thank you, Lord, for this message again. A message of life and living the Christian walk. What we need to do, how we can become a better servant, to know that your grace is enough, we can never be good enough, but you are good enough just in you. Bless the listeners of this message. Lord, speak to them in the ways that they need to hear from you today. Speak to them and remind them that you are always there yesterday, today, and forever tomorrow, and that you will always be there for us. Amen.